0: Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored and thrilled to have PMH Atwater back on the show. As most of you know, I am such a huge fan of PMH, and I I feel like I can call her a dear friend now. I mean, I, she probably doesn't remember meeting me, but... I remember meeting her years ago. So without further ado, PMH Atwater, LHD, is one of the original researchers in the field of near-death studies, having begun her work in 1978. She has written 15 books on her findings. The last... Yes? 19. 19. Okay, well, okay, so we'll say 19 and her last near-death experiences, the rest of the story, a wrap-up of her near-death findings, along with her theory about transformations of consciousness, covering 43 years of work, both with near-death experiencers and those who had an intense spiritual transformation, covering nearly 7,000 child and adult experiencers. Her the big book of near-death experiences brought the entire field of near-death studies up to date worldwide. Her latest, that, well, it isn't her latest, but I'm just reading what the resume, Dying to Know You, Proof of God in the Near-Death Experience is a summary of experience, her voices, speaking their word, their truth, and what they've learned, what they learned. She's been awarded, oh my gosh, I'm going to let you go on the show notes and read the rest of it um so many awards and i am so excited to have her here back on the show so welcome to the welcome back to the program pmh
1: well it's good to be here
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful it's always wonderful to have you so i know we talked a little bit about this um, in our last interview but i'd still love to um just share a little bit about what you um, were like as a child in terms of your spiritual, you know, spiritualness, if you will.
1: Well, I was a child. As a child, I I was a fighter. I mean, I had to be because there was death all around Uh, there. There was all kinds of things going on in my childhood. Uh, At the age of five, I did my first double blind study with a control group. Because I couldn't understand mud pies, And so I gathered up all different kinds of soil from all different kinds of places, and uh, I tried sun, shade, different kind of things. And I discovered that the sun was what controlled mud pies. Nothing else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: It's always doing this kind of thing and you know the first grade for me ah first grade that that was the time of pearl harbor so there was death everywhere Mm -hmm. death 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 um walking to school um long blocks walking to school in those days if anyone died in the war effort the government sent you a great big gold star that you put in your living room window. Well, well, you know, I don't know why Twin Falls, Idaho, um, had, had so many people involved in World War II, but we did, and a lot, and a lot died. Uh, and so, so I walked to school. Was all was a walk of death because of all these gold stars, mm. and and one of them, I'll never forget. One of them, there were there, there was like four or five new gold stars overnight, and I just stood there and sobbed, <laughs> sobbed, and sobbed. Oh
0: my gosh! As a little girl,
1: yeah. Uh, um, my memory of the first grade is it, is. Is having to stop my sobs and my tears just to walk in the door of my gra- my grade school. Mm. And then added to that, I I was born with dyslexia and stenesthesia. Yes. Differences, you know, in the limbic system of the brain. Well, of course, of course, nobody then knew anything about that kind of thing. Um, so I spent most of the first grade. On a tall stool in front of the class, wearing a t- tall dunce cap uh, that that said "dunce" on it, as an example of a bad child who told lies. That uh, is so and that's horrible. My first grade, and and I decided at the end end of the first grade, I was so angry that I decided I was never going to be a grown up when I grew up, because because all adults are stupid so that was my (laughs) that was my idea of the adult world
0: yes well I I do know that you as a young young child you were conversing with God and having tea parties and you're very very um, intuitive you had these childhood angels can you just touch on that briefly and I can't You know, I can't have this interview without talking about Mama and Daddy's songs. That they are the songs, songs. They are the ones that, so they are the ones that really brought love into your, into your life. So, can you just briefly, just to give us a little bit of background about those experiences as a as a young child?
1: Ah, my mother, um. Had nowhere to go a- after she gave birth to gave birth to me, so within two months she was wrapped around a um, a light post crying and, and, uh, and you know there's a lot of rain and she's crying and Daddy's song S O G N from the Norwegians. Um, he saw her, went over and said, "Why are you crying?" And she she, um, she, had no place to go. So he said, don't worry about it. You can come and stay in our house. And my, my wife loves children. So, so that's how I wound up with the songs.
0: And it, hadn't he prayed oh, for a child? Oh. Hadn't, he, hadn't he prayed for a child or something? He and
1: his wife had always prayed for a daughter. They yeah. had two sons, but they'd prayed for a daughter. And never had one, so uh, my crib was in their bedroom, not my mother's. I did not know my mother was my mother until I was four years old. Wow! Even as a baby, I tried to get away from her. I I didn't like her. She didn't like me.
0: Mm-hmm. But isn't it how interesting how the universe brought the songs to you in that it ended up being, you know, wonderful. So much, so much love from them.
1: Without them, I'd have never made it. Yeah. I didn't never make.
0: Wow. So, so struggling with the synesthesia and dyslexia, can you tell the listeners what synesthesia is? Because I had never heard of that until the first time I interviewed you. And it's just, it's a fascinating, um, it's just fascinating what it is
1: most near-death experiencers come back with stenesthesia. Yes. Stenesthesia uh, is changes in the limbic system in the brain, whereby you sense and feel things differently than the average person. Uh, uh for in my case, uh I didn't get mine for <laughs> from my near-death experience. I was born with them.
0: Yeah.
1: But in my case I could smell color um see music and hear numbers wow and so of course in the first grade they thought i was lying (laughs) i was was telling the truth i was telling the truth truth and nobody would believe me
0: Mm. wow what a thing to grow up with no one no one really knowing about it so let's um just jump ahead and I know, actually, before we do that, I do want you to tell the story of your, in junior high, you struggled so much in the elementary school, junior high, things kind of turned around for you. And I know your math teacher. Yeah. So tell that little story. I just like it.
1: Well, he was really a football coach. Mm, of course. He, and he All not, the football coaches were math teachers. They not like teaching math. So it. He he had this clever way of teach, teaching. Teaching so said the first one up to to the desk with the right right hand and sir got an A. Second one A A A minus. Third one B. Uh fourth one B plus and yeah you know, yeah he had this innovative way of grading, and I, I always got A pluses. And and the catch was that he could call on you at any time, and you'd have to stand up in front of the class and and tell everyone how you got your answer. And of course, that day came with me. So I stood up, and I talked about all of the numbers and I jumping over fence posts, and we'd we'd play around, and we'd do this and we'd do that, and. And that's how the answers were revealed to me. Yeah, and the students there were these malvabil, absolutely aghast, and, and he, he finally said, "Well, um, you always get the right answers, so keep doing it." Right, right. I love that way of teaching. I
0: just love that. I mean, someone who's just open and, and says it works. I mean, how that must have been somewhat confident, confidence building, building for you. Yeah, well, yeah. So why did you, you know, you've written 15-19 books. Why why did you write this book? book about your life? What did you want to share with the world that um, that you haven't already shared in all of your other beautiful books?
1: Well, my dear, we must take a breath Mm -hmm. and realize that in 1977, um, I died. In 1976, I, I was raped. In 1977, I found out I was p- pregnant uh, um, and miscarried. And those miscarriages led to uh, death so three times. First one was January second. Second one was January four, and then March uh, twenty nine. And later that year, 1977, I had three major relapses. So I can honestly say 1977 was not my year. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But in my third near-death experience, a voice spoke to me and it wasn't like a a normal voice, a person's voice, uh, uh, even uh, even the kind of voice that most people talk about when they talk about spiritual things. It was like the whole universe speaking. And I called it the voice like none other, because I didn't know what else to call it. Uh, And the voice spoke. And it said, and I quote, test revelation. You are to do the research, one book for each death. Um, Book number one was not named book two and three were book two is future memory is future future memory it's out there uh future memory is not a book it is a it is it it is a labyrinth a real labyrinth <laughs> so when you when you enter the book you're entering the labyrinth and you have to stay on the labyrinth it'll keep twisting on you like a real one does And at the the end of the book, it it brings your consciousness up to the next highest level possible for you. And it was was the voice that showed me how to do this. And then the third one was a manual for developing humans. It's out there too. Yes, it's a real um, manual. How many of us are ever taught that we are God beings. You know, hue, h Hu, H-u was, was the ancient term for God or the sound of God. You, man, was God, man. So, you, you know, in the first grade, before the first grade, uh, um, throughout our lives, we are God beings. Mm-hmm. And so the the book, in a very humorous and fun way, with lots of thought form drawings teaches you how to be who you are. A manual for developing humans. <laughs> so you know um, after that instruction, I was a cop, I was a cop's kid raised in a police station and, and in those days, if you um, if you missed the bus and couldn't get home, then I'd walk to the police station. My dad would take me home during his coffee breaks, and they don't do that now, but we they did then. And and so often I'd go back and forth between the police station and home um, many times. Ta- many, ta- many times I. You know the police station was my home i was raised there um uh, so i learned how to do police investigative techniques because what bothered me so much i'd go to the interrogation room uh, and and of course i could get in but in those days you had the big key key um key, keyholes yes so i would look inside or i'd listen and invariably, the people would say, um, "I just knew if I opened that door, something would happen." Or I just knew if I got in that car, something would happen. And 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 my very logical mind would say, "Well, why did, why why did you open the door? Why did you go with these people if you knew you were going to die?" Uh, adults are so stupid. So. <laughs> I learned investigative techniques as a, as, a, as a child, grew up with them. So that's what I used in my research. And um, a good cop on the beat, if there's an accident, and there are three um, people who saw the accident, all a good plot. police officer can do is walk, 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 uh, walk up, the, up to that individual and say, did you see anything? If they say car, you can say car. If they say accident, you can say accident. So this is how I did my research. Um, did anything happen to you? Please describe that for me. I'd t- I talk to the family, I'd talk to other people that they knew, friends, uh, whatever and And by doing that by really uh, following through I, I I then discovered that there are four different kinds of experiences. There are lots of after effects. And um you know, there's a lot more to the story. Of the near-death experience than than the typical scientist um, percentages.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For instance, between fifty to sixty percent come back with electrical sensitivity. Um, we have to take that deeper look, and that's what I did um, for thousands and thousands of people. You know, when I first let, left Twin Falls, Idaho, and uh, and came and came east, bearing in mind that uh, that I felt at the time that uh, anywhere east of Denver was in Greece. <laughs> you know, there's no way it could be in the United States. Um, so I finally <laughs> started. You're gonna love this. I finally gave my first um, talk about near-death experiences in a police station. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it.
1: (laughs) They they had an extra room for the the public. And uh, so I was talking about my own near-death experiences and a woman came up to me with stars in her eyes. And, and she said, oh, I wish something like that would happen to me. And I thought, oh, you know, I must have made a mistake. I can't present this like that. And I never, I never talked about my own experience again for, oh, decades. Mm-hmm. Because I was a researcher. I was not an entertainer. So fortunately, for me, there was a lot of people who took up my cause, said they would help. And they did um in colleges and universities, and meetings of the, all kinds. so i was I was, you know, met all kinds of people. And then later on, I moved from where I was in the washington, d c area. I moved to Reston Virginia. And it was th- it was there um, that I got a job where I was working for telephone systems anywhere where between the Mississippi River and East uh, North South East, but Mississippi River was my yeah uh, um, territory. My- my my line of demarcation. So, uh, <laughs> working hard, and during my coffee breaks, I would find all kinds of. Uh, I mean, even during the job, the, the job, I would see all kinds of different people and talk to them. And let me give you an example. This one time, I was working in Macon, Georgia and 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 i needed needed a coffee break so i walked over to the truck stop and i was in the truck stop and i a little little table in the middle of the truck stop and me in a paper bag and this guy came up to me i swear he was he was as white as he was tall and he came over to me and says lady anybody sitting in that chair next to you and I said, no, no. Can I sit there? And I thought for a minute, well, okay. <laughs> and so he said sat down and put his, you know, elbows on the table and got up close. And he said, I want you to know that I still chase women and I still drink. But I want to tell you all about the time I died. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the way. <laughs> it happened that way again and again and again. Th- this one time in, in Washington DC uh, I-, I had this taxi cab taxi dr- cab dr- driver and he had the blackest skin I've ever seen. Honestly, I did not know skin could be a- be that black. I didn't <laughs> know. And I and I was glaring at the- this man and I I was so embarrassed. And he looked at me and smiled, and he says, I know, you know all about death. I want to tell you my story. Wow. You know, soda. I, I, I was taking a taxi cab to a job site, and, I, you know, I'm a very curious person. I want to know all about the area here and you know the colleges and the universities the businesses and I want to know all about this and and the guy lost patience and he said look lady I come from Egypt I'm just <laughs> here to study I don't know anything about any of this I just know about the time i died last year can i tell you about that
0: wow (laughs) it was always people were always coming to you can can we i remember you saying in the book it's like you had a sign posted on your (laughs) head you know talk to me about when you died um can you just before we get into you know you went back to school and and all of that sort of thing Can you tell us a little bit about your third death experience? Because you say that was, I mean, they're all profound, right? Of course. But how, what you learned all about the power of thought and your life review and meeting Jesus. And and I think I understood this correctly that you, I mean, it was devastating. You had to learn how to walk.
1: I had learned
0: how to talk, um, everything, all over again. So, can you just briefly tell us a little bit about that experience?
1: Well, it 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 was so overwhelming to me.
0: It's totally different from your other two.
1: Yes. Anyway, each was different. Yeah. And this was a a a wowie uh and it was ah uh, how do you describe the other side how do you describe all these things that happened to you and and uh i was in my dining room when i finally died and 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 went up to the ceiling i and, and and i i i chose to go back down to my Body and then sort of look around and and say, "Am I really dead?" And and I finally decided, yes. You know, there's nothing happening in the heart, nothing ha- happening with the nose. Yes, I'm really dead. And and I went up to the roof, roof, and I remember uh, ceiling. I remember twirling around the light bulb, saying, "I'm dead, and I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm I'm finally dead." <laughs> I'm home I'm so happy to be out of that body and um, so and every time I thought a thought there would be a blob in the air translucent and translucent and they were beautiful and I finally finally connected my thought with blobs in the air and I decided hmm um uh, there must be something happening here with energy wise between whatever happens in my head with whatever is happening in the outer environment environment so I decided that I I would create and you know about that time the living room, the dining room disappeared, disappeared, and I was in another realm. And there was this. I decided to make a house. So I, 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 did, I did. I did. I did. Um. It was. It was a little painful at first, kind of like. When you're going out skiing that first time, mm-hmm. and, and you know you're kind of sore, that's what it felt like. And but I did it. I made this house, and after I did the house, I decided, hmm, I want I I wanted to make something living, so I made an oak tree, complete with insect bites, <laughs> insect holes. <laughs> And it's about that time when uh, my loved ones came, and uh, you know, including a grandfather who um, I did ne- i never knew, I had no way to ever know him. He came up to me and introduced himself, um, and other other loved ones, and um, and then Jesus came, and it's like. What wow. what wow.
0: mm-hmm.
1: and always wanted to see Jesus, and there he wa was and there were, there was no big intonation of any kind, rather they we we grabbed each other and held each other and laughed and laughed. it was just bliss, and then when he disappeared, everybody else did it disappeared. And I decided to do away with what I created. And, then, and then this void, this incredibly black void. It just everything was black and dark. But you know, there was something in the void. There was the presence of a of shimmer. It's like when you're making a Jello dish, and 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 you've it's now on a plate, and you take your finger and you're, and you you're about to touch that Jello, yeah, and and there's that shimmer, mm-hmm. shimmer, that the void is filled with shimmer. Everything that ever was or ever will be comes from the void and from that void came my past life review and everything everything i'd ever thought everything i ever did came for review and to me that was a kind of hell because I knew that whatever we did, we were responsible for, but are we responsible for all of our thoughts? Nobody ever told me that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, that was heavy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I finally forgave myself and, and flowed back into my, my body as if on a magic flying carpet and it was it was just so beautiful and um instead of of going the remaining three and a half feet to get the wall wall phone in the kit in the kitchen i crawled all the way back to my bedroom and laid there for a couple of days because I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I I was just in another world. And of course, later on, I had a third near-death experience. What 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 saved me? What re- really saved me is I had some friends and I had a doctor that were smart enough by October of nineteen seventy-seven to realize. I needed something else besides medicine. I needed something else besides care. So they decided that I should be trucked up to the Mind Miraculous Symposium in Seattle, Washington. Um, the That the, there I would find some help. So they did. They took me up in a little van up to... Seattle, Washington, and I saw the Mind Miraculous Symposium at Seattle Center, and, and uh, incredible speakers, Dr. Bruce Joy, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, Yuri Geller, on and on. But the first speaker paid my way in that he was a physicist from Stanford, and he believed that all of life was simultaneous. He called it the eternal now. And he he believed that through physics, he could prove this to be so. So he flashed up on this huge screen his version of the eternal now through physics. And I saw what I saw in my third near-death experience.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Exactly. And I got up from that my chair and went out into to the to the hallway, and I collapsed under the light. And 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 you know, um, I I just I just rocked back and forth, saying, "I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy." I'm uh yeah you know I'm right I'm right I'm not crazy it's, yeah it's all
0: validating
1: and from that moment I got well wow and I, so- and of course the next next yeah. next year I met Elizabeth Kubler Ross on a trip to Chicago Illinois to visit an aunt and uncle and. I mean, I, I I didn't know anything about the near-death experience. It was Elizabeth, Elizabeth that told me that. Uh, we sat down on a little bench, and I told her all about my experiences. And, and she said, you had a near-death experience. You had near-death experiences. Well, I've never heard of that. She never mentioned Raina Moody or any of that. Um, so from her, I learned about it. And um, it was a few months later that I moved back and you know i just i just moved from twin falls idaho um well i was living then in boise idaho from boise to um to reston virginia and and really truly after i left denver colorado i truly believe that the rest of the country was in greece i mean i just couldn't understand mm this this country, this country and uh, and begin my research and
0: well. so and- when you were told in your third near-death experience to do the research you didn't even know what that really meant then since you didn't well, know what did test their-
1: revelation
0: oh that's right that's right test that's revelation. revelation you know ph did they did in your experience or what do you think is the message to the universe that it has for us to learn about these near death experiences. What, because in my view, it teaches us how to live in this life, how to live better in this life. But what do you feel is the importance of getting this knowledge out there that you've dedicated your life to?
1: Oh, we are. We are all children of this greater force this greater source um you can call it god if you want you can you can use any kind of word you want doesn't matter we are the creator's gift um we are The gift of the universe. We are here to experience and explore the gift that we are. Some of us make a mess of the job. Some of us do a great job. Some of us are in between. Doesn't matter. We are here to be all that we can be.
0: Why is it so painful? Why is there so much suffering?
1: Because we don't see or know or appreciate what we are. And I truly think maybe some of us are here to mess things up.
0: Yeah. Duality.
1: And some of us are here to clear things up. And some of us are here to just mess around. Um, I can't j- judge who or why or what. All I can do is appreciate the gift that we are. Good, bad, or indifferent. I'm here to appreciate the gift that we are, mm-hmm. you know, in in in, uh, in my third and 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 last book so far, <laughs> <laughs> Edge Walker: The Many Edge. Lives and Deaths of PMH Atwater. Yes, so you, know, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I, I, I I um. I share my story. All the other books, all the, the other eighteen, um, were were about what I was to do, what I found out, uh, what I learned, and what I I was able to establish through research. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it takes a minimum of seven to ten years to integrate an in yeah. experience don't let anybody tell you it's quicker it's not
0: mm-hmm. and even so much longer for for children
1: oh yeah and and what children go through especially especially between birth and age 5 right um uh, for, for 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 those that uh, um want to explore that get the forever angels you really must get the forever mm-hmm. angels
0: and listen to our interview about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We need to know more about what children go through. Mm-hmm. But um what adults go through as well, or even the older children, teenagers. Um it, it offers us this opportunity. To um, review life itself, to see life itself from a very different angle, yeah, and and to appreciate this gift that we we have been given of what life is, or what it can be, or you know, life itself—it's just. Wow, to me, any any form of life, good, bad, or indifferent, is a miracle in itself. Uh, the, the, this ability that we all have, have to draw breath, this ability that we all have to move, that's a wow. And and if we are able to do more. That's an even bigger wow. And what impresses me is we can choose.
0: Good, we better, can ever, choose, we can choose, which is something you've had to do your entire life because your life has not been a piece of cake. I mean, you've had so much diverse, I mean, adversity in your childhood and at school, and then with the first few books, just not going anywhere and, and losing money. I mean, and having the scientific community at times, you know, not say the most wonderful thing. I mean, you've had so much adversity, but you have kept going. You have kept smiling. You have kept, it's just, it's, it's just such an inspiration.
1: It's by Lancet Medical Journal. It's like, Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, finally. You know, I do love when you talk about the sparkles and when you're at and you ask you ask God about your new pro if your new projects are for the highest good and the highest good of all concerned. I mean, wow, what a valuable lesson for for all of us.
1: I won't do anything unless it's for our highest good and the highest good of all concerned. I, I won't even touch it.
0: And you you get that answer by what, going into meditation? In prayer,
1: I go, go yeah. into prayer. And uh, um, I have that feeling or that sense. When I come out of the prayer, uh, the air literally fills up with sparkles. It fills wow. up with sparkles. And then I fall down, and then I'm shown what I'm to do. And I I, I just get up and go do it.
0: Mm. Another thing you say in your book, or the, you've stated this fact, more than 90% of NDEers come back knowing God, not believing, but knowing. And prayer becomes a, dy- a dy- dynamic driver between the heart and the desire to serve. Wow. And you, then you went on to say, it's the same in my life. And you ask the world, the readers, how about yours?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. What going. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and pretty much my husband too, Terry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you get the book book and there, there's a couple of pages toward the back. Of of me and my husband, Terry. Yes. Terry had a childhood near-death experience. But the fun thing is, between the two of us, we're different races, different ages, didn't make a difference. Didn't make any difference at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd love the way we courted. We were in, uh, uh, we met at a Zen meditation meeting. That of
0: course, she did.
1: That was held <laughs> in a church in Roanoke, Virginia, and we we went up to uh, a mountain lake, and and we said and, and we were exploring the forest, and we sat down on a log, and and it was getting um, you know later and later, it, it was a full moon. And and we sang the moon. We sang the moon up over the lake. He was singing his songs like the Bee Gees. I was singing my songs like coming in from a world and a prayer and you know the good old fashioned you know fight songs <laughs> from World War Two, and and we just enjoyed each other. And and then soon it was it it was dark, and and we were in this forest. And Terry, Panning he says, "I didn't. I don't know how to get back to uh, the parking lot where the car is because we're way out in the forest." I said, no problem. I'll just create a sound ball and we'll follow the sound. So I I did. I just packed up this sound ball and threw it. And I could hear the sound, so we followed this uh, sound, uh, and, and uh, at the hood of his car in the parking lot, and he was so wow. shocked. But I said, "Honey, just get get used to this. Uh, this is the way life is." Mm-hmm. We married. Six, we married six weeks later, and that wow. was 43 years ago.
0: Wow, beautiful. Well, PMH, we need to wrap it up, but this has been oh. such an honor to have you on again and talk about your new book, *The Edge Walker: The Lives and Deaths of PMH Atwater*. I suggest everybody run out and get it. It's uh, it's just an amazing book. Um, are there is there anything you'd like to say to, to wrap this up?
1: I would like to say that this world and how we live in it is such an amazing adventure. Good or bad, right or wrong, it's an amazing adventure. And I'm so glad I'm here.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming, coming on the show. And um, give Terry, give Terry a big hug from all of us. Big, big hug. <laughs> okay. Thank you, PMH. Have a great evening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today.